Today we're going to be looking at the Brooklyn Nets, their 2019-20 season, just how different 2020-2021 is going to look for them. A bit of an outlook, a bit of a look back, all of that stuff. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are looking at the Brooklyn Nets as I mentioned. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the Dallas Mavericks. So if you have any questions for the Mavericks... Uh, get ready to check out the Instagram story and the Twitter questions so you can have your questions answered on the show. Of course, this Nets team, the number one question that everyone's having is what the hell is our expectation for Kevin Durant? So questions all over the place for Kevin Durant. Um, let's have a look. What you know? How high do you think KD could and should go in fantasy drafts? What's KD's rank for Roto Leagues next season? Where do you draft Kevin Durant? That's the question. Is Kevin Durant still a first round selection? And the answer to that is, I don't know yet. Because I haven't done my projections for next season, which of course is literally impossible because I don't know free agency and we don't know what's happening with the draft. But let's get this out of the way and looking at Durant. Last year, he was the eighth, last year, the last time he played, he was the eighth ranked player in Golden State. He played 35 minutes a night and he had 26 points per game for a usage of 29%. He hit 1.83, six rebounds, six assists, a steal and a block, basically 52.89. Like obviously really good numbers. Now, this dude is coming back off an Achilles tear, which is really, really hard to come back from. He's 32 years of age. Is he someone that I would want to take in the first round? Well, in the in the top you know, six picks, no. Top 10, probably not. In the top 10, there are lots of guys that you can take there that you'd feel a little bit more comfortable with in terms of drafting, just in terms of um, your reliability. Harden, Davis, Lillard, Towns, draft all those guys. Those four guys, no worries. Nikola Jokic, yep, that's five. Uh, Trey Young, that's six. Luka Doncic, that's seven. Giannis, eight, depending on your, your punt build, of course. Giannis, interestingly, this year was the 14th ranked player, but that's because of the poor free throws. So then you have that discussion of you know, Kawhi Leonard and his missed games. Is that going to be more or less than Kevin Durant's missed games? Do you expect Bradley Beal to take a step back? John Collins was in that mix. LeBron James, I think I mentioned him already. Devin Booker, does he step forward? That's sort of the range you're looking at. So I think as a first rounder, uh, what I think is if you get a pick at the end of the first round in drafts coming up for next season, you're in a shit position because you're going to be left with, do I take Kyrie? Do I take uh, Brad Beal? Do I take Kawhi? Do I take Kevin Durant? These guys with big question marks around them. Do I reach for Devin Booker, Jason Tatum? Yeah, how do I how do I view those players? So that's going to be yeah absolutely interesting to see how that's approached. I would be cautious with Durant, of course, more so with the games played versus a big drop-off in production. He's not going to a scenario, though, where he's going to just have this big spike in usage because Kyrie's going to be around. So he's still going to maintain a similar usage, I would guess, the 30% that he had in Golden State. 
be a 24 to 26 point per game score, probably close to 26, maybe it goes to 28. And everything else should be pretty similar. The thing I'd worry about is maybe a drop-off in efficiency and maybe a drop-off in free throw attempts with the Achilles. They're the two things that I'd worry about, which maybe pushes him to the 10 to 12 range. Maybe it's 15 to 16, but I would be really cautious just given the history of this injury. So that's a question that everyone's offering, uh, asking. Next question uh, from W. Schumann Klein. Will Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen off offer top 100 value? They, are they worth a draft and stash until traded? Now, in general, I hate drafting. I'm drafting this guy in case he gets traded because in general, that shit doesn't work out because you either draft a guy who's outside the top 150 and provides you shit value for four months, and by then, you're, you're not in the playoffs. So then if he becomes good, you aren't making noise in the playoffs anyway, or you, you do this, and then the guy doesn't get traded. So I wouldn't be... And that's another thing with this Nets. Who's getting traded? Who's getting traded? They need a third star. Do they need a third star? Because what other teams... Who is, who's the Lakers' third star? Catavius Caldwell-Pope? Who is the Clippers' third star? Marcus Morris? Who are the Heats? Who's the Heats' third star? Goran Dragic? They're not stars. Who is the Celtics' third star? Is it Jalen Brown, who's not an all-star, who's a very good player? Is it Kemba Walker, who struggled this season? Like, who? who's the third star? Who's the, the Sixers' third star? Tobias Harris? Who's the Raptors' third star? OG Ananobi? I, I don't think that these absolute frothing that people have over a third star, especially when you've got guys who are really good, like Levert and like Dinwiddie there. Now, to talk about those guys, neither Allen or Levert were top 100 players this year. Dinwiddie was barely a top 100 player, so expecting them to be top 100 players is absolutely not something I would be doing. So I, no, I wouldn't think you'd want to draft them in the top 100 in the hopes that they get traded. I just think it's a misuse of assets. Jamar Norick, what do you think the usage breakdown will be? Does KD still put up 18 field goal attempts per game? Yeah, look, I think, as I said before, I think he will. He yeah, he did shoot 18 field goal attempts. His best ever season was 13-14 where he had 21 field goal attempts. He will still be in that 29 to 30 usage range. Him and Kyrie will just be dominating the ball, meaning that's lower usage for guys like uh, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. It'll just be Kyrie and KD, and his usage will be fairly similar. Justin Guadagno. What's DeAndre Jordan's value of this upcoming season? It's shithouse. He's not that good. In fact, let's get this out of the way. He's not good. He was the 132nd ranked player this season. He played too many minutes. The fact that he was that high was based on two things. He rebounded really well. 10 boards in 22 minutes, and uh, field goal percentage, 67%, uh, which both of those gave you a standard score of about 1.5 for that category. So pretty good. He just doesn't do anything else. Like he doesn't block shots anymore. He's a much improved free throw shooter. Still not a good one. No assists, no steals, no scoring. Will The question is going to be, though, will they start Jared Allen or will they start DeAndre Jordan? The answer is absolutely blindingly obvious for anybody who wants to have a good team, and that answer is Jared Allen. But will Steve Nash go down the DeAndre Jordan's friends with Kyrie Irving path? That is an absolute risk, and Kevin Durant. That is an absolute risk there, and it's one where it could push Allen into having some value because he gets drafted too late. But I would want nothing to do with Jordan because I just think his upside is so low, and he's a, just a deeper league sort of an option to me. Closed time like curve. Is Jared Allen going to be the defender we saw flashes of or just another average center? I think he can be, I think he's already a really good defender. It's all going to come down for Allen in terms of playing time. He was the 101st ranked player in just 27 minutes a night. In the bubble, he was the 30th ranked player playing 34 minutes a night. He was absolutely unbelievable. He showed offensive flashes. He rebounded well. He passed. He got blocks. This is what Jarrett Allen can be if they actually just give him the opportunity to be what he can be. 
I don't know that he gets that opportunity. I will love to get him in later rounds in drafts. And maybe we get clarification from Nash who says, no, Jared Allen's our center. We saw what he can do. We want to build with him. And DeAndre Jordan provides great 20 minutes off the bench, and that's fantastic for us. But Allen should be the guy. He's got unbelievable advanced numbers, and he is a guy that I think has taken that step, even though that opportunity did present itself. Look, maybe they trade him. That's another thing as well, is they they could be that dumb that they that KD and Kyrie, you know, can you please play my friend? and get rid of this other guy who's objectively better, that could actually happen as well. And that could be a problem. So his value is so, so confusing for this upcoming season that, uh, look, I know he's good. We know he's good. What we saw wasn't a fluke. It's all going to come down to how does Nash handle it? What role do you see from Luke Tepper? This is, what role do you see Karis LeVert having this year? I see Karis LeVert having a role similar to the role he had before the bubble, where he was the 112th ranked player. He played 30 minutes a night. Um, actually, no, I don't, I don't see him having that role because he had a 30% usage. So I think he will start. The starting lineup will likely be Kyrie, Joe Harris if he's back, Karis LeVert, Kevin Durant, and Allen slash Jordan. And Levert won't get that much usage. He won't get that much ball handling. And his numbers will drop off pretty considerably. He'll get some time with the second unit. But that second unit will also include Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, so his numbers just aren't going to be as high as we saw. Or as well, as high as we saw in the bubble where his usage was up to 33%. And he averaged 25 points. He's just, to me, is not going to have that level of usage. He'll be the third highest usage guy in the starting lineup most likely. But... Yeah, maintaining a usage of 30 when Durant and Kyrie are getting 30 plus as well is just almost impossible for him to be able to do. Um, are they a championship contender? 15 Tyler says, yeah, look, I think they will be Eastern Conference Finals contenders for sure. Championship, it feels like it's going to be pretty wide open again next year. So yeah, yes, but yeah, in a group of about eight teams, I would guess that uh, in that area. Ori Berlinski, Spencer Dinwiddie said that Nick Claxton is the second most talented player in their team after Durant. Thoughts? Well, he's lying. Let's get that out of the way for a start. But I do think that Claxton is pretty interesting as a player. He's still quite raw. He's 21. He's a center. He's got big flashes in terms of being able to be a guy that can handle the ball a little bit, that uh, perhaps can perhaps could stretch it out, could play really good defense, really good shot blocking, okay scoring, but it's a long way away for Claxo. He's probably, well, he's probably, he's the third string center at this point. Maybe they trade Allen. Jordan retires in four years' time. He's a starter. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I think he can be a really strong player. But he's raw, and it's a long way away. All right. Another question here. Who will be that third guy? Drew, Depot, Beal? Why? I don't know why we are just absolutely just dying to get a third player there. Because whoever comes in and beats that third player is going to have their role dropped off considerably, and they'll probably play at the same level that Dinwiddie and Levert are currently playing at. That would be my guess. So I don't really think that it's such a necessity for that to happen. Um, let's have a look. So many, a lot of questions for you guys, uh, from you guys today. What to do with Dinwiddie? Uh, I don't know under what context you're asking that jobs are miento. Um, because you know, what, what do you do? If you're in a redraft league, you haven't drafted and you don't touch him. If you're in a dynasty league, he's 28. I think you hold on because maybe he does get traded. But I think he's a guy that, can be overrated at times. Look, he played 31 minutes a night and barely cracked the top 100. 21 and 7 he averaged. So it's not a situation where he's going to go to another team and play huge more minutes and get much much more usage. He had 29 usage in 31 minutes. Maybe he played 34 minutes and become top 70, but he lacks steals, he lacks defense, he lacks efficiency, he's not a good rebounder, and all those things do cut off his fantasy upside. God, so many questions there for this uh, team. T-Bay 71, is Kyrie mentally stable? Yeah, you know what, mate? Yes, 
Like I, I think Kyrie gets way too much hate, and it and it, it actually pisses me off. I think Kyrie is he's had some some problems before in locker rooms. I think that he in general tries to put people's best interests at the at the foreground, and is a guy that's not afraid to screw things up in order to get what he thinks is the most equitable outcome. And I think he is fine. He just thinks on a different way to everyone else. And that is completely fine. I've got no problem with Kyrie. And I think what happened in terms of the way the bubble started up and the slander that he received from guys like Woj was completely unfair. And uh, I wasn't a fan of that at all. Um, I'll tell you what I am a fan of though. And that is the great people over at rockauto.com. You need parts for your car? I've got no idea how to fix my car, but if I was going to fix my car, I would be going to rockauto.com because I don't want to go into an auto parts store, be made to feel stupid by the people in there. And then when I go there, they don't even have what I'm looking for. They have to go look on the computer, order my parts in, and then I've got to wait weeks for it to come in. And they're going to charge me a more expensive price because I look like someone who doesn't know what they're doing. At rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low and they are the same for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, onto Twitter, lots lots of questions here. Just Basley says, Karis LeVert on the team or is he traded by next season's trade deadline? Like I said with all of these ones, what are you getting back for Karis LeVert? He's really good. He's a guy that can defend well. He can score. He can pass. He's 26 years of age. He's on a decent enough contract. It's all well and good to say, well, Karis LeVert could be a really good player on another team, so therefore he'll get traded. But why would the Nets give that up when he can be that third option that when Kyrie sits and when KD sits, that LeVert is there? I don't think they should be in any rush to uh, to move him on. Um. Let's have a look. Ross Bernal, assuming they're both on the nets, what impact will having two high-usage superstars in the lineup have on Dinwiddie and Levert? Will they be able to be fantasy relevant if they don't have the ball in their hands? Probably not. They both do thrive on being high-usage players. And as I said, they were 30% usage guys this year, and that will drop pretty considerably. Now, the nets have a pretty strong lineup. As I said, Irving, Harris, uh, Levert, Durant, Allen, and then on the bench, Jordan, Dinwiddie, Prince, if, you know, oh, Prince is going to be there. And that's a, a strong eight-man rotation. Then you throw some other guys in there, whether that's uh, Kuruks or um, uh, any, whoever else they bring in free agency. There are other options for them to have there. So it is going to have an impact on uh, on their usage. I have no doubt about that. Do you have any idea, Jonathan Chown says, what kind of offense Steve Nash will run? No, we, we don't have any idea at this point. Is there a hope for a D'Antoni-like bump in fantasy production? Sure, yeah, there is. But this Nets team was a team that ran a pretty you know, fantasy-friendly offense anyway under Kenny Atkinson. I don't think we should be going, oh, it's Nash, he played under D'Antoni. It's going to be this huge, huge bump. I don't think we know that at this point. Um... Todd Davey, how long into the season do we give Kyrie and KD playing harmoniously? Will it implode? And if so, what's the move from the front office? No, I don't think that there's any move from the front office at all. I don't think there'll be any concern with these guys playing together straight away. If it's going to be a move, it's not going to be either of those players. Maybe it is other guys that they move on. Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, who seems like a great teammate, to be honest. I don't think there's any problem there. Karis Levert, you literally never hear anything from him. I, I don't really think there's going to be too much of a problem in that area. Matt Lawson, are you buying or selling these dynasty ADPs? Kevin Durant at 21. 
Now, Durant, coming back from an Achilles injury and 32 years of age, 21 could be, it's, it's probably a bargain for one year. I reckon, though, when he's, he's 32, like how long is he going to be a second-round player coming off an Achilles? Maybe two years. I think it's a soft buy. Kyrie at 35 is a. It's, I know he gets injured all the time, but when he plays per game, he's a top 10 player, and he's still not that old. At 35, I'd buy the shit out of that. Jared Allen at 66, I would buy. Levert at 93 is an interesting one because Karis Levert's been a guy who's had opportunities. Um, efficiency has has struggled with him, and yeah, he's not going to be the 93rd ranked player this year unless he gets dealt. I would buy that. Dinwiddie at 108, I'd probably buy it. Jordan at 171, sell. Joe Harris at 186, sell. Claxton at 199, I like a lot. I would buy that. Torian Prince at 216, uh, sell. Don't really buy him. Uh, Kurok's at 268, uh, I would buy it. Luawu Cabro at 284, would not be surprised if he heads back to Europe. I think this is going to be a thing. With players who are out of contract, who are European players, like we saw with, with Marcus Gasol, like I think we might see with someone like Mario Hazonia, like we might see with Timotei Luawu Cabro, with the situation that's happening in America with COVID at the moment and the cases being as high as they are and the the uncertainty, I could see these guys who are either at the end of their career, like Gasol, or on the fringes of NBA rosters, heading back to Europe. And I think that might actually be what happens with Luau Cabro. And then John and Musa at 297. I, I like Musa a lot. I've soured on him a little bit after two years. I still would take a flyer at 297. Let's have a look. Um, Roy says, the roster seems clunky to me. Two stars that play with the ball in their hands, but aren't exactly willing passes. I disagree with that. I, I think they are fine in terms of passes. They get their shots, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're not willing passes. I, I don't think that's actually right. What roster moves should they make first? I think they just, honestly, the roster move they make is trading DeAndre Jordan, but they won't do that. I think they just need to see what the hell they've got before they start making big moves. Um, all right. What was your thoughts on Kyrie saying he doesn't need a coach? I think as usual, what Kyrie says is misinterpreted and I have no problem with what he said. I just think it always gets misinterpreted. Are they winning 50 plus games? Yeah, I don't see, I don't see them not really at this point. Um, let's have a look. Lots, geez, so many questions. Um, Aliyah Sakurovic, hope I pronounced that correctly. Fill in the blank. Joe Harris will be a member of the Brooklyn Nets. He's a free agent. I think they bring him back. He's super important, uh, especially for his you know, shooting and spot-up ability on this team with guys that need the ball in their hands. They should be bringing him back, and I think that they will. And yes, he will be a member of the Brooklyn Nets. God, that is a lot of questions, but I really, really appreciate it. I didn't even get to it. I probably answered 30% of those questions. So thank you, everybody, for those questions because uh, now we're going to be in for a long one. Giggity. All right, let's get into talking about these players now. First guy, of course, we do chat, uh, chat about here is Kevin Durant. Of course, he didn't play this season with a torn Achilles. I don't need to talk too much about Durant because I've said you know quite a bit about him already, and we know what he was like before the injury. I would expect a marginal downturn in efficiency at 52% the last time he played from the field. I reckon we could look at that and you probably expect him to be maybe 50%, 49%. Maybe he drops one, one free throw attempt per game. I think all of those things are realistic possibilities for Durant. I know his advanced proje projection numbers for years to come are still really, really high. I'm a little doubtful of that, just coming back from the Achilles and his age, but still going to be a really good player. And you're know, watching what he does early on is going to be you know, super, super important for um, well, the Nets' success and for his fantasy value. But I am overly cautious. Two injuries I'm always cautious about. Torn Achilles and 
that quad injury that Victor Oladipo had, that was a worry when it happened. And anyone else who suffers that injury, yeah, you're in real problems, it feels like. So they're two injuries I'm really worried about long-term. ACLs, I don't really worry about too much unless there's two of them and then it's a problem. So let's talk about Kyrie, who, for all the shit that gets spoken about him, he played 20 games. Oh, Kyrie, the world's flat. Kyrie, what a dickhead. Kyrie's faking this injury. Kyrie's a soft cock. All this sort of stuff, it bothers me. Now, Kyrie does say some shit that's that's really not great at times, and he can be a destabilizing influence. We know that at times. He's also, I think, deep down, a pretty good guy who tries to do the right thing. Um, it doesn't always come off that way, who thinks on a different wavelength. And you know what else he is? An unbelievably good basketball player. This guy, in under 33 minutes a night, he only played 20 games. He was the sixth-ranked player last year. Sixth. His PIPM was 2.2. His Raptor was 2.8. He had a true shooting of 60%. When players go to new teams, it's hard to be able to maintain this level. He averaged 27, 5, and 6. One and a half steals, three triples. Look, absolutely massive numbers. His ADP was 12. On a per-game basis, he smashed it. I think I had him projected per game maybe ninth or eighth. And then when you got to that area, that was where the risky players were. It was taking Irving. It was taking Kawhi. Like, who do I take? Who do I trust more? That was where a shit part of that draft was. And it's going to be the same this year. Kyrie is probably going to be a top 13 player on a per-game basis. But how do, you, how do we know how many games he's going to play? Will this shoulder issue recur? Oh, I don't think so, but he's had knee problems. He just always seems to have something happen. This is not a personal attack on him. because This is not something he can control. I think that in terms of we've got an 82-game season next year, do I think Kyrie plays more than 70 games? I'll actually take the over, and I don't know why. I, I think he will. He was really, really good. He is he's, actually, he's unbelievably good. And those numbers he put up were fantastic in those limited minutes. Tell you what else is fantastic, apart from this terrible transition. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars ever. These Built Bars, they taste like a candy bar. It's not like the usual stuff that you'd scrape off the bottom of your shoe and your dog wouldn't even sniff. Built Bar are covered in 100% real chocolate. And there's six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, and carrot cake. To go with the 12 OGs, which include raspberry, peanut butter, and coconut, these are soft and easy to chew, and they are great if you are looking to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a healthy treat. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber bars that are great for a keto diet. You get 19 grams of protein in a peanut butter bar, plus only five grams of sugar and only 180 calories. What better nutritional profile can you find? The answer is none. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 dues off your next order. So use that promo code locked on at builtbar.com for $10 off. All right, who is next on this list? Because after Irving, we go all the way down from rank number six to rank number 94, and that is Spencer Dinwiddie, who played 31 minutes a night and averaged 21, three and a half, and seven. 0.6 steals and 42%, including an abysmal 31% from three. This is a guy who people love him. Like People love Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's really interesting as a player and a person. Um, but sometimes the narrative around him, I think, gets twisted. Oh, yeah, he's, a, he's a great scorer. He's super efficient. He, he cannot shoot threes. Let's get this clear. The last three years, 33, 34, 31%. In 16, 17, where he played 23 minutes a night, he shot 38%. His first two years in Detroit, he shot 10 and 19%. He is not a good three-point shooter. He takes a lot of them. He's a willing shooter, but he doesn't take very many at all. And even in that year where he shot 38%, he attempted 1.7 per game. 
He is going to hurt your field goal percentage. That is always going to keep him back. He's also terrible at accumulating steals and terrible at getting blocks uh, and not a good rebounder and a low-volume threes guy. He scores well. He is a clutch finisher in tight situations. He can distribute the ball. Those assists went up this year, up to 6.8 from 4.6. I think they'll actually drop back down with Durant and Irving handling the ball. And I would be pretty surprised to see Spencer Dinwiddie appear in the top 100 of, uh, of fantasy ranks for this upcoming season. His uh, advanced numbers, 1.12 PIPM and 1.2 Raptor, pretty good, not too bad. But that usage is going to drop, the assists are going to drop, and I think he falls probably outside the top 130, maybe outside the top 150 for next season. And a guy that I think is probably going to have a drop-off in terms of his impact coming up in the next couple of seasons. He's only a year younger than Kyrie Irving. I think that's something that's important. We think of Dinwiddie, this, but this guy continually held back, wait till he gets a team, wait till he gets a team. Well, again, he's only one year younger than Kyrie, so he's been around for a while. I think he's still a really useful player as a guy that will play with Kyrie, that will play behind Kyrie, but the 31 minutes I don't think will stick. The usage won't stick. The assists won't stick. I think the drop-off for him is going to be pretty real, and he, he can be a guy at times that is a little bit overrated, but love what he did for this team. You're really pushing them towards the playoffs, um, but hey, they were still pretty successful in the playoffs even with him out, uh, with him not there. Not successful in the playoffs, sorry. Successful in the bubble without him there. Um, next player for us to take a look at is Jared Allen, the 101st ranked player. He was a little bit disappointing through most of the season. I would have hoped they would just give him 30 minutes a night, but that was always the risk with Jordan there. He ended up playing 27 minutes, 11 and 10 with 1.3 blocks on 65% shooting. He didn't hit threes. He doesn't get steals. The blocks were okay. Like his numbers were okay. His advanced numbers were great. 1.61 PIPM, 2.5 Raptor, 66 true shooting, really, really strong there. And then we got to the bubble when there was no Spencer, didn't we? And there was no DeAndre Jordan, and he went bananas. He was the 30th ranked bubble player. 16 and 11, over four assists, 1.2 blocks, actually shot 73 from the line as well. And in the playoffs, he was just as good. 10 and 15 with two blocks on 58% with a true shooting of 66. I think he's really, really good. I think his advanced projection stuff... Not, I think, I know. It's really, really good. In fact, you know, his yeah, wins added projection for the next five years. He's second on this team behind Kevin Durant, ahead of Kyrie Irving. He can be a top 40, top 30 player. I don't know that it happens on this team. He doesn't need big usage to do it. In the playoffs, he was the 28th ranked player in the playoffs. He's the 20th ranked player per game in the playoffs so far. And his usage was 13%. His usage in those bubble regular season games was under 15%. He doesn't need usage to do it. So that's not a concern. It's just getting the minutes. He did that in 34 minutes in the bubble, which he's never going to get during the season. But just just watch out for him. He's only 22. He's only 22. In four years' time, he is going to be, I believe, a consistent top 30 fantasy player. Um, but who knows you know, how long that's going to take to actually get to that level. But I, I do think that he gets there at some point. Super impressive uh, what he did in the bubble. Karis Levert, 112th ranked player, obviously had an opportunity this year, then had an injury, only ended up playing 30 minutes a game. 19, 4 and 4, 1.2 steals. <clears throat> what holds him back? It's shooting. Simple as that. 51 true shooting, plus 1.2 Raptor, negative 0.72 PIPM, but he, he's not a good shooter. 43 from the field, 71 from the line, 36% from three, which is actually not bad, but only on five attempts. He averaged 19, 4 and 4 and a half, 1.2 steals. In the bubble, we knew that the usage would be through the roof, 33%. <clears throat> I can't talk, <clears throat> can't talk anymore. Uh, that's better. 
Um, yeah, 33% usage in the bubble, averaged 25, 5, and 7 with 1.5 steals. Shot 48, but still 67 from the line on six attempts, 26% from three. His game, I, I really, really like Karis LeVert. I've said this lots of times. He can handle the ball. He can get steals. He can score. But when Durant and Irving are out there and then Dinwiddie's out there, he's just not going to have volume that he needs to be this good because he's not hyper-efficient. He's not going to have the ball in his hand, which he needs. When he does have the ball in his hands, he's actually good, and the teams are pretty good with him out there. It's just not going to be something that happens. Um, will he be a top 100 player this year? I have some doubts because of the, the presence of those other two guys and his lack of efficiency, um, and then the lack of assists as well, which I think will drop off. But I, I do really like him long-term. Now, Levert's 26. He's not super young. I think he can be a solid enough. Can he ever develop into a Chris Middleton type in terms of um, you know sidekicky wing type player next to suit uh, next to superstars? Maybe, but he's never going to be as efficient as Middleton, and that's always the concern. It took just such a big situation for him to become um, that really good fantasy player in those bubble games, and he still wasn't the best player in this team because Jared Allen was a better option there. So that's my worry with Durant from a fantasy, uh, not Durant with Levert. From a fantasy perspective, I don't think they'll be in any rush to trade him. They shouldn't be. But he is a guy that requires more of the ball in his hands to be that level of successful that we would hope that he could become. Uh, all right, who is the next guy we take a look at here? It is Smokin' Joe Harris, who was the 126th ranked player, plus 0.46 PIPM and negative 0.7 Raptor. An amazing true shooting of 60%. He averaged 14 points in 31 minutes with two and a half threes. Of course, he doesn't do anything else. And weirdly, he shot just 72% from the line. It's all about threes there for Harris. I think they'd love to have him back. Will they play him 31 minutes when they have to squeeze Dinwiddie into some of those minutes too? And Durant into some of these minutes? That's a little bit of a worry. To me, he's a guy that you just leave at the back end of, of a roster, a back end of a draft. I need some threes. Uh, and if three-point percentage is a category, then that's an extra bonus. But not someone who I think we look at as a big step forward in what he can do. He's 29 as well. So, you know, big growth coming forward isn't necessarily happening. And he is an unrestricted free agent. But what he can do is awesome. We know he shoots threes, 42% uh, on almost six attempts per game. In fact, I'd love it if he took more threes than that. It's, it's wild to me that Spencer Dinwiddie attempted more threes per game than Joe Harris. And one guy shot 31% and the other guy shot 42%. That's something that needs to change. And Harris needs to take more of his attempts from three. Just 52% of his attempts were from three. That should be up at 65, 67, really, considering the type of player he is. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, top the three threes made per game for this upcoming season and, and dropping off his two-pointers, which helps his fantasy numbers uh, overall. Next up, DeAndre Jordan, as I said, the 132nd ranked player. That was based on rebounding and field goal percentage. He blocked just 0.9 shots per game in 22 minutes. Uh, as soon as they fired Kenny Atkinson, Jack Vaughn made him a starter. Again, ridiculous. He's not as good as Jared Allen. He is maybe the seventh best player on this team, and they're treating him like he's a, a third, the third, the third star and all-star. In those starts, he played 26 minutes. He averaged 8 and 13 with 1.7 blocks. I've got to give him credit there. The block rate did improve. And his overall block rate this year was better than it had been in the past. Last year, he was at 1.3 per 36. This year, at 1.5. So it's not a big difference. But he's nowhere near his peak, where he was at yeah, 2.4, 2.5 blocks per 36. He's fallen off considerably. The 68% from the free throw line is pretty good. But also, it's a drop from where it was last year. It was at 71% last year. 
Jordan is just not someone that I'd be super into looking at in terms of being a fantasy target. He's a guy that you can draft late if you've got a couple of holes to fill, and that is field goal percentage and rebounds. But I believe the upside for him is pretty low for all the reasons that I've mentioned already. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince was the 153rd ranked player. This season, Prince was 0.06 PRPM, a terrible negative 2.2 Raptor. He had a terrible true shooting of under 50%. And he was a guy in the offseason, in preseason, he was going out there, he was getting so many touches and shooting like 70% from three. And there are a lot of people arguing with me, nah, mate, he fits Kenny Atkins' system perfectly. He's going to be a top 50 player. Just watch for the, just watch for it. Um, I've seen Torian Prince play quite a bit. If he had every, he had every opportunity in the world for the Hawks and couldn't make it happen, and then I thought he was pretty poor for most of this season, to be honest, and not a player that was rosterable most of the season. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 2.33s, 38% 3 from the field, no defensive numbers, doesn't get assists. He hit threes at an okay volume, 2.3 of them, uh, and that's really about it. And now he's almost assuredly going to move into a smaller role with Kevin Durant coming back. He did sign an extension in the offseason, so he's not a uh, not a restricted free agent coming up. But he's just not someone that really gets me excited. And given the way this team is constructed, I just don't see those opportunities coming for Torian Prince. And he's not someone that, I'd, if I was other teams, I'd be super into. He's uh, 26 years of age. He's not super old, but he's also not you know, ridiculously young. I just don't see huge upside for Torian Prince. Garrett Temple, 181st ranked player. He's 34 years of age, Temple. He had some really strong moments, played well in the bubble. His advanced numbers wouldn't tell you that. Negative 1.6 PIPM, 51 true shooting. But his bubble performances on a team that was you know, really beat up were okay. But he still shot 38% there and averaged 11 points and, and 109th ranked player in the bubble. He is an unrestricted free agent. Actually, that's not true. He's a, he got a $5 million team option. Do they bring him back to be that ninth rotation player? I would imagine that they do. Um, defensively, he has moments, but given his age, because I think he's 34, let me just quickly check that. He's 34. Um, he has some inconsistencies, and you know, game by game, offensively and defensively, he can be a little bit all over the place, shot just 33% from three. I'm not sure he can find necessarily a better option out there on uh, in free agency, but given the way this team is constructed, they might be able to get some good players at cheaper prices who want to come in and, and maybe push for a championship. So, Temple's value, I'd be pretty surprised if he was a top 200 player again after this year. Chris Chiozza, down all the way at number 287. Only 14 minutes a night, but what he did show to me was an ability to generate assists. Three assists in 14 minutes and 0.8 steals. Those are really useful fantasy numbers. His advanced stuff was all positive. The shooting numbers for Chiozza weren't fantastic. And in the bubble, he had opportunities to start and then struggled. Uh, only 22 minutes there with five assists, given there was no Dinwiddie or Irving. You would have hoped he got more of an opportunity. They gave more of that opportunity to Tyler Johnson. The shooting is just the worry for Chiozza, who I think has shown an, uh, at least a position to be a third stringer. Um, and those assist numbers are okay. But he is, he is turning 25. I think that's the you know, best case scenario for him is long-term backup point guard. He's a restricted free agent coming up, but I'm not super into him as a uh, long-term prospect. Old baby neck, Wilson Chandler. Didn't know really why they signed him. He's not going to have any sort of impact, I wouldn't think, this season. 293rd ranked player is Wilson. He is uh, old. He didn't play in the bubble either. He's 33 years of age. He averaged six points in 21 minutes, shot 40% from the field. No rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks, hit one three a game. He's just not a useful fantasy player and probably shouldn't be considered a rotation guy. 
They should be putting him behind Durant and behind Prince at the four because he's not a three anymore and just not someone that you want to have any sort of reliance on in any scenario. He's an unrestricted free agent. His advanced numbers were rough, negative 2.53 PIPM and a true shooting of 53. At this point, he's just washed up, which is what happens to lots of players and Baby Neck, of course, fits into that group. Jeremiah Martin, 298th ranked player. Yes, he is a real player. He only played uh, nine games this year. And they were six of those in the bubble. I thought he showed flashes as a scorer. Averaged 10 points per game in only 14 minutes in the in the regular season bubble. Um, actually, all nine of his games were in the bubble. And then uh, four points in the playoffs. In those regular season bubble games, he shot 48 and 79 from the field for a true shooting of 57%. Um, in the G League, what was he able to do? 18 points in 29 minutes a game with five assists. The worry there is with him is the shooting. He's uh, over three, over two years, sorry, over his one year in the G League, try again, he shot only 30% from three and only 70% from the free throw line. All of that is a little bit of a concern. I think he's shown that he at least can be on the main roster. Um, he's a restricted free agent. His G League PIPM was big, not as big as a couple other blokes we're going to talk about later on. Um, but he showed enough to me to be yeah, somewhat of a scoring guard type, depending what they do with Garrett Temple. They might move on and let's see if Martin can fill that role. But he's absolutely someone to at least keep an eye on for deeper leagues. Timotei Lawawu Cabarro really had some opportunities this year. He does have $1.8 million non-guaranteed on his deal. And if they do decide to move on from that, I could see him just not staying around the NBA. PRPM was negative 2.01, but Raptor did like him. He was given opportunities again with everyone out, and in the bubble, he was the 90th ranked player in the regular season. 15 points, three threes, shot 51% from the field, including 45% from three. Didn't get any assist steals or blocks, so that's a worry there, but again, big minutes for him. In the playoffs, they played him at center at times with no big men on this roster, and he averaged another 16 points on poor shooting, but really was able to absorb that usage and show that he can be a useful enough rotation player. He's 25. It feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 25. Um, I'm just not sure of, of what team or how this team uses him. Obviously, his role is going to be significantly lower this year. He played 18 minutes a night. He probably is not even a necessary every night rotation player, but I would much prefer to see them use him than someone like Wilson Chandler as a backup three. I think that Luawu Cabro can be in that area. I liked him coming into the draft. He had moments with the sixes, but he had had some drop-offs, and the shooting is the worry for him at the moment. Johnson, Tyler Johnson who played for the Suns and then was waived and brought in for the Nets. And uh, it was okay. 12 points in 24 minutes in the regular season bubble with three assists. Shooting is always a concern for him, just 41% there. In the playoffs, he averaged 14 points in 23 minutes. I think he's fine to have kept around as a you know, backup shooting guard, a backup point guard. The Nets are going to have to make some roster decisions because of how many players didn't go to the bubble, so they brought in so many different replacement guys. I'm not even going to cover Lance Thomas and Jamal Crawford in this one because I don't think they're going to be back at all. But guys like Tyler Johnson, there's a chance for him to come in and maybe take over that Garrett Temple role or, or displace Chris Giozza or displace Jeremiah Martin. There are opportunities for him, but again, behind Levert, Irving, Dinwiddie, Harris, hard to see enough minutes, Lawawu Cabrera perhaps, hard to see enough minutes for Tyler Johnson, but he showed that he's at least a rotation caliber player. But even if he gets big minutes, he's not someone that we should get excited about for a fantasy perspective. Next up is Rowdy Rodion's Kuruks. The off-season assault charges, which are obviously terrible, so yeah, real real shit bloke stuff there from Kuroks. Um, 
really seemed to limit what he did this season. The Nets just gave up on him. They started him the year before, and I thought he looked pretty good. He played only 15 minutes a night, and they put him behind Wilson Chandler and Torian Prince. I actually think he's better than both of those players. He had some struggles this year, only five points per game. In the bubble, they used him more. They started him at times, 23 minutes, and that's, again, no Chandler, no Prince, no Jordan, no Dinwiddie, uh, so he got extra opportunities. Six points, five rebounds, 44%. He got a steal a game. I think he can be an okay defensive player who can be an okay uh, spot-up shooter, but his overall complete upside is probably limited. He's still a long way away from being his best, and I think maybe he could sneak a top 100 season at some point if he has like a 1.5 steals, one block, two and a half threes, 10.5 rebound season. I don't think that's crazy to think from Kuroks at some point, but it really was a big step backwards for him this season. Next up is Dante Hall, a guy that, again, they brought in into the bubble. He played five regular season bubble games, averaged seven and five. He only played a couple in the playoffs, but I thought he showed enough. He shot 78% from the field in those bubble games. He blocked a shot per game. But what's really interesting to me is the numbers that he put up in the G League. His G League PIPM was 5.79, which, if you don't know, is ridiculous. It is so, so high. He averaged 15 and 11 in 29 minutes. Um playing for uh, uh, Grand Rapids, I think it was, yeah, for, for Grand Rapids in the G League. And then the Nets brought him over. He averaged a steal, one and a half blocks. He shot just 26% from three, but 70% from the field overall and 70% from the um, uh, 70% from the, the line, 75% from the line. He was really, really impressive. Also, in terms of his age, he is 23. So he's not those 24, 25-year-old guys, but he's not super young. Um, I thought he was uh, I thought he was okay out there. Now, those advanced numbers, negative seven Raptors, not great. But I thought that he showed enough that you'd want to at least consider you know, bringing him back to see what he can develop into as, as a efficient, scoring, uh, small forward, power forward type uh, who's a good rebounder and with some good defensive stuff. So I thought that he was at least a name that is worthy of looking at or considering. Nick Claxton, 426th ranked player, negative 1.65 PRPM, negative 1.9 Raptor, 58 true shooting. He averaged just four points in 15 games with three rebounds and half a block. But if you thought Dante Hall's G League PIPM was impressive, Nick Claxton was at 6.73, an absolute monster of a number. What did Claxton do in the G League? Well, in 21 minutes a night, he only played nine games and he only started five of those games. 17 points, seven rebounds, 0.8 steals, 1.2 blocks, Shot 57% from three on two attempts, 66% overall. That three-point shooting, though, is what gets you excited. It's only two attempts, but the fact that it is two attempts in 21 minutes and he converted them is good. Now, he's not going to convert them at 56%. It's just not going to happen. Can he be a 36% shooter from three and stretch it out and be a guy that can rebound a bit and can handle the ball, that can block shots, that can defend, that can be a high-efficiency two-point finisher? Yeah, all that stuff is absolutely there for Claxton. I think that he can really develop. It's Again, it's four or five years away. I think top 100 seasons are definitely on the cards for Speedy Claxton. The last guy that we look at here is Janan Musa, who was the 433rd ranked player. His advanced stats were rough. 48 true shooting is not good. He didn't really get big opportunities this year. Only 40 games and 12 minutes for five points and 37% shooting. This is a guy that in the G League has held the ball, has run as a point guard at times. Um, and it, they, even in the bubble, they didn't give him a big opportunity. 17 minutes, 9 points, 42% shooting, absolutely zero in terms of defensive stats. Um, 
His GLE PIPM was one, which is pretty good. It doesn't compare to Claxton's and Hall's, but it was pretty good. I still think that he's you know, a while away from his best basketball, and he can be a rotation player, but on the way this team is constructed, he's probably never going to be a starter. He's a player to watch if he does go to another squad, but you know, I'm losing a little bit of faith in him becoming a, a really good player. In the G League this year, though, again, super impressive. 20 points in 12 games in 31 minutes, 20 points per game, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, 41% shooting. That stuff hasn't carried across to the NBA. The lack of defensive numbers is a worry. And he also didn't have the ball in his hands quite as much in the G League. But he can be a guy that's 6'9", who can be a point forward, who can run some plays, who can score and can shoot. The defensive stuff is a real worry. I think he's got an interesting skill set. I'm just not sure if we're ever going to see it fully develop, but I'm not giving up hope on Musa. I think his upside is still higher than what Kuruks's is, but his uh, ability to get there is probably less. Guys, I reckon that'll do it for me today because I've rambled on a lot about this Brooklyn Nets team. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Tell your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.